Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey everyone, Jay Kevin McHugh here, your host of Sheer Clarity. Welcome to this episode. I'm looking forward to it. The last two episodes were around honesty. These are all part of the model of Sheer Clarity. You can listen to my prior episodes or go on the website and learn more about the model and what Sheer Clarity is and what it's meant to do for you. But today I want to get right to the heart of this matter. We broke down our conversation about honesty into three parts, and we've done parts one and two. Part one was about how are you honest with yourself. This is about genuine self-awareness. Part two is about how are you honest with others, which is a skill set and a desire to be open, honest, and authentic with other people, and a skill set to do that so it doesn't create problems for you, which brings us to today's episode, which is how do I actually know whether others are being honest with me? How do I set that up? How do I encourage it? How do I monitor whether it's happening? That's kind of where we're going to go today. Before we do, I want to introduce my producer. His name is Matthew Passy. Matthew has just come back from one of these great big podcast conferences. Welcome back, brother. Tell me how it went out there in the battlefield. It is good to be back. Very exciting space here in podcasting. There's just a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of new faces. I think the conference population doubled from last year, 500 to almost 1,000 this year. And I saw podcasters of all walks of life, including what had to be maybe an eight or nine-year-old girl launching a little podcast, just crushing it out there. She was interviewing people for her show and getting ready to launch. And part of what I love about the space is that anybody can really get in there if they are passionate about what they want to do. And this little girl just exuded that passion and it was infectious for everybody out there. I'm excited that we're in the podcasting space, and I'm excited to share this material with everybody else and join a world of great podcasters out there. You bet. And now that I know I'm in competition with an eight-year-old, I'm going to just have to raise my game a little bit because it kind of bugs me, okay? <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and get my blankie. I'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. In the meantime, I'll go change your diapers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We don't want to go down that path, but I will start with this honesty piece. So the question of the day, and this is for any leader who's ever out there who wants to be honest with themselves and then wants to be honest with others, you have to get to this third part of it, which is like, Jesus, how do I know if people are being honest with me? And of course, I work in the CEO space. That's primarily where I spend my time and with the direct reports. So these tend to be higher level executives. And the very first thing that I believe and I've seen after my 28 years in this is the higher up that pyramid you go, the less likely you are to get honest feedback. Just by sheer position, people look up to you. And as you now are up there in the C-suite, they start editing what they say to you. It's hard. It's hard to get people to call you out and to tell you the truth. So how do you even know if they are doing so? And just by the natural deference, natural intimidation, and here's my favorite part, the natural assumption that because you're up there as a big shot now, you obviously know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I shall defer to you. Like, how else did you get up there? 
<laughs> hey, let's put this down for an episode, the imposter syndrome. It's a great episode in the future. So capture that one if we haven't put it down already. There are people who are in leadership positions who are actually afraid and somewhat scared. I got here now. Am I actually supposed to know what I'm doing? But maybe I don't. And I'm a little insecure about it. Anyway, that's a future. So here's the first element to this. How do I know if people are being honest? I would suggest to the listener, the first thing you have to do before you even get to any techniques about knowing whether people are honest with you, you really have to be honest with yourself going back two episodes. Do you really want to know what people think of you? Do you care? And can you take it? <laughs> That's the second part. If you do care, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Because if you want to know if people are being honest with you, you do have to double check yourself and ask, how well have I communicated an open invitation to the people I work with? to give me honesty all the time, every time, even if it hurts? That's a kind of a soul-searching question. If you can't answer that comfortably, or you have some baseline, quick, rapid assumption, of course I do, blah, 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 right? You're in trouble because you're probably not getting the most important feedback of the day, which is the critical stuff. I guess it goes to, are people afraid to be honest with you? Do you have a habit of punishing people who are critical of your decision-making? Bingo. I would say it's difficult to know whether or not you can be honest because in some work environments, you fear retribution for going against the grain, for offering criticism, for not being a team player. Although I would argue opposition and a difference of opinion and criticism actually make you more of a team player than just being a yes person. Most executives that I know fundamentally believe their people are honest with them. And when I stop and question them and I challenge them, and then later on as I work with them and I get to see them in action and I see them with their teams, I can start to point out to them, I'm not so sure it's as good as you think it is. Even if you desire it, and even if you're awesome about it, people are still hesitant. Certain kinds of people are hesitant. There are people, I do a lot of the DISC profiles, whose core wiring is non-confrontational. They don't want to say negative things ever to anybody, let alone their boss. But once you're in that leadership role and you've got people reporting to you, you want first and foremost to consciously invite them to give you feedback. And to the point you made, you can only do that if you believe you're going to receive it without getting defensive. It's critical. Now, that should be differentiated from it hurting you. Let me say that again. Negative feedback, people calling you out or people telling you that you've done something that is not helping your brand or your ability to influence them. If you receive it, if you get it, and you get defensive, and you begin denying it, and you argue against it, no, I never said that, all that stuff, that's a deal killer right there. You've already corrupted your 
communication channel, maybe for good. People only need like two or three encounters like that to walk away going, well, can't be honest with that guy, not happening. That's called defensiveness. What I'm saying is you can and should manage your defensiveness. That does not mean that if you get negative criticism, it isn't going to hurt you. Fundamentally, I get embarrassed. If I'm called out, which I have been, I'm impatient. I do body language when I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm impatient. I start rocking in my chair. I'm huffing and puffing. And my wife has seen it in other places where she'll call me out on it. And I get called out on it. And it's embarrassing because it's a negative. People are shutting down for me. And when I first hear about it, it doesn't feel good. It's just embarrassed. That's what I mean by hurt. It's an emotional hurt. It's like, ah, geez, I did it again. So I'm okay with that. If you get criticized, it can hurt only for a minute. But the first thing to do is to just feel that as, yeah, it's hurt. I got it. It's their perception. I got to work with their perception as their reality. And I got to do something with that. But I sure as heck am not going to jump to the defensive posture. That's the deal killer right off the bat. I guess it also depends how are you receiving said criticism? Is it coming in the form of constructive criticism or is the person saying things specifically with the intent to hurt you? Because that's also a big difference and a deal killer on the other side. That's a good segue to part two. Number one is you do have to issue the invitation so that people know that you want, invite, and seek their constant feedback, particularly the kinds that are negative. They're causing you to disconnect. By the way, if I could just throw this little tip in for the listeners who want to make sure others are telling you or giving you feedback, it's very simple practice to keep conscious of this whole process when you're talking to people, looking for signs that they're going quiet, facial tics, pulling back in their chair, anything that sends a signal that they're shutting down. The word I like to use is disconnection. The invitation is. I want you to tell me if any of my behaviors are causing you to pull back or disconnect. The moment you feel disconnection, whatever's happening in the moment, I would love for you to tell me. I need you to tell me. So that's just the invitation. That's part one to encourage people to tell you. Part two is knowing that you care about the feedback and can take it as a gift. It comes as a gift. You receive it as a gift. Like, thank you. I knew it took courage to tell me that. I know it's hard to call somebody out, especially if it's your boss or you're two layers up from your boss. I'm glad. I appreciate it. I need it. I want it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a spirit of gratitude. But then you come to the part that you just mentioned. The question is, what is my understanding of the motivation of the sender? And If I have a sender on this dynamic where I'm trying to get people to be honest with me, and I think at fundamental levels, they don't care, their mission is to hurt. I think you have a decision to make, to roll with it and let it go, which is an option, don't confront it. Or if it's a critical relationship, This disconnection is clear. There's a resentment on the other side. There's somebody has fully disconnected. Now there's a lot more emotion. Then you have the next decision. One option is, am I going to go try and call this out and go repair it? Does it need repair? When I want people to be honest with me, I have to start 
with me being honest with myself. And the moment I'm feeling disconnected from someone, I can feel it. One of my favorite things is, this will be just a quick sidebar for people who are running with meetings. There are people who talk too much. Actually, they tell a story every time they open their mouths. And (laughs) you wish they would just go a little shorter and a little brief. But here's an example. So they're droning now and people are checking out one by one, right? Because they're on a rant. And of course, you're the leader. So nobody's calling you out on you because you're the boss. Pontificating, rolling. I mean, I've been in many, many meetings where I have a CEO, that's their style. They just keep talking. And what I have suggested, and I've done this on a board of directors where the CEO is like that, is for the CEO, do you want to know when people are checking out? And he said, yeah, of course I do. I said, do you know you have a tendency to kind of ramble? He goes, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Okay. So why don't you try this and authorize the people in the group? By the way, if I lose my place and I'm getting one of my high-handed rambles, feel free to raise your hand or raise your index finger at the table. And when I see that, I will stop. The reason I would ever tell anyone is they invited me. But if they haven't invited me, I have another option. I still raise my finger. And then when they look at me, here's the feedback. I am listening to you. I want to understand. However, I'm beginning to lose my comprehension. I appreciate your enthusiasm. I appreciate your story. I appreciate the energy. But I have lost track of the point I think you wanted to make. And it's vitally important for me to totally understand you. I like the way you are doing that because you are framing a negative and very positive language. You are thanking them. You are conveying what it is that you want to get from them. You're not just saying, shut up, you're done. You are saying, I know there's more value that you could be providing. Can we get back to that value? Because it'll be helpful to us. Bingo. And by the way, my heart is true. I do care about what they have to say. If I have written them off as here they go again, that to me is the highest form of disrespect. And when I coach teams and I get them all together, I said, look, nobody's got a perfect personality in this room here. So we're all going to be feedback systems for each other. I'm getting prepared to do a gig in a tech company with a lot of high profile players. And these are like wizards in their field, high IQ, high intensity, but they're still humans. But as they're gathering together for the first time, trying to format themselves as a team, there's a lot of uh, sussing out, like, who can I trust? Should I be honest? Should I be vulnerable? We're going to talk about vulnerability here on the next episode. How do I know if they're actually being honest with me? So we've covered a couple of the things about this topic, right? Getting yourself centered and understanding your own part in the play. Here's another obvious way. You don't guarantee you're going to get an honest answer, but it's still important. Ask the question of the person, are you telling me everything? Hmm. Subtle. Are you telling me everything? You're sort of inviting a window to say, not only are you answering my questions, but are there questions I haven't asked you that you wanted to answer, essentially? Absolutely. This goes back to the intentional leader who wants to understand what people have to say and is prepared to listen. That by itself is a skill. I'm sure in our 
50th or 60th podcast somewhere next year. We'll have talked about <laughs> communication a couple of zillion times. But at least at the minimum, how do I know others are being honest with me? One obvious way is to ask them. Am I doing anything that's causing you to hold back? Is there anything I can do to encourage you more? It doesn't do us any good if I am doing things and you are not trusting me, you are feeling something that's causing you to protect yourself, to pull back, or at my favorite word, disconnect. Now I'm back into the conversation. I'm asking, just be honest with me. I suppose this raises one last question of what if you have struggled with this? What if you were a leader and you're not sure that your team is honest with you? They might fear retribution. They might be suffering from imposter syndrome, whatever the reason. How do you turn that around? How do you go from knowing that people are not being honest with you to getting them to be honest with you? The primary way I have recommended you do this especially if things have been broken or your brand is broken. I enter the scene frequently when someone might be on their third coach and I'm asking, why am I here and what are you not getting? And there are people who, not so much my brilliant coaching, I just happen to be the third crack with a sledgehammer that finally broke through. The other cracks, they walked away going, I hardly made a dent. And then I come along and like, boom, it opens up wow, he's a wizard. I go, no, (laughs) there's been a lot of work prior to this. I just happen to be good timing. But when somebody has to rebuild, I use a phrase, voluntary vulnerability. In other words, remember, desire is first. If somebody really decides, I want to go for this, I want to rebuild, I know I've burnt some bridges. I know my style and my behavior. I finally have admitted to myself, I've created some issues. There's nothing better than to go into the room and say, I have to confess. I have realized I am being honest with myself in a way I haven't before. I am giving a heartfelt request. I would like to acknowledge what I have been learning, how I've learned about it. I have one of these going on right now where somebody's been getting feedback. The feedback hasn't been received well. There's been some defensiveness. And now it's been escalated to the bosses involved and the HR folks are involved. And guess what? Now there's a written memo that this is the process we use in the big corporate America deal. Everyone wants this person to succeed. And now I'm on the scene. And so they're beginning to get acquainted with how much effort has been put into helping them see it. I'm holding their feet to the fire and holding the mirror up kindly and with compassion. And they're going, okay. So now what do I do? And I said, I think what you got to do is tell the truth. You're going to tell the truth. What is the truth? I have been receiving feedback from my career off and on like this. I've been called out about it. This is what's happened. And here I am again at this stage of my life with you. I've got 60 people in this group. I've got seven people on my management team. 
and I'm hearing it again. And now I have even more formal orientation to this. I've gotten official feedback. And the truth is, I want to do something about it. That's the truth. It sounds like a perfect segue. It sounds like what you are displaying is maybe an appropriate form of vulnerability. That's why you're on the other end of this microphone, Matthew. How did you get that? It's perfect. Well, so with that, we will explore appropriate vulnerability in our next episode. In fact, we'll be doing three episodes on appropriate vulnerability and how to achieve it. In the meantime, we will thank you for joining us on this episode of Sheer Clarity. And of course, if you haven't yet, please, please go to SheerClarity.com. You will have some show notes related to this episode and other episodes, a chance to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcasting platform, and to connect with Sheer Clarity on social media, as well as just a host of incredible resources that have been bundled together by J. Kevin McHugh over his illustrious career of helping CEOs become the consummate leader by attraction. Again, that's all at SheerClarity.com. He's J. Kevin McHugh. I'm Matthew Passy, and we will see you next week on Sheer Clarity.